This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence. I am Jack Allen. First, if you aren't following me, you just found me. You can follow me at Kojak Podcast on uh, Instagram, Twitter, all the all the socials. And if you want to support the show, I have a Venmo, Patreon. Also, as many of you know, um, we're expecting our first baby in November. So my my lovely wife is has made a little registry. So I'll post that on my Twitter. So if you, if you want to buy something for the radical right-wing extremists that I will be creating, please feel free. But uh, what, what it means the most is if you can leave a review, like subscribe, whatever the, the normal things everyone says is that will be perfect. And I hope we're, we're all live here. I just got to check to make sure you know last time last episode of course my mic sounded like crap for the first five minutes until somebody told me so hopefully we're good i'm just checking my profile to make sure we're on all right well it looks like we're good nobody's here yet but that's all right that's all right it's just me for now so we're gonna continue our well first trying to think today is uh d-day 79th anniversary i think the guy my pop-up back on the behind my on my chair there he was he was on uh and on the beaches of omaha 18 year old kid skeptic you're back nice thank you dude thank you hopefully i sound all right skeptic if you could let me know but yes d-day was today my pop-up he was there at omaha um his job was he wouldn't storm the beaches he was on the ship to identify planes and sometimes they tried to hide their you know, you, you had to know he had to know if it was a German plane or an American plane. That was his job. But I always think back or, and I tweeted this already. I always think about this. Like if they could see the world today. All right. Good. Perfect. Thank you. Evil. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. But, you know, I always think about like if our grandparents who fought World War II, if they could, what would they say? today if they if they saw the state of the world the country that they thought they were fighting for for their descendants um their descent most you know predominantly white people fought in world war ii and uh i, I just wonder you know they wouldn't recognize the country that we live in their their descendants are hated they are the evil they are the oppressors they are the colonists would they have still fought for that and um i i probably i don't think they would if they knew but I always think about that. I don't know. I think about that World War One. I, I, you know, I know a little bit about World War One. I. I did a, a series on it, but I would love to learn more. I just was researching the Battle of the Somme. I think something like two hundred fifty thousand 
people were killed that day or in that battle, that, that thing, that, that, yeah, skirmish, whatever that battle. And it's just, um, it's crazy. It's just crazy. You know, it's propaganda is so powerful, which relates perfectly to the show that we're all working on. This is part three of the Washington post series, the end of the book. I loved it. That was a great book. I highly recommend it. For a book that was not written by a conspiracy guy who writes Catherine and the Graham family, the, the Meyer family, in very good light, it was very um, open about the connections with the CIA. And that's pretty much what this third one is about. So if you haven't watched the first two, you you won't really need to for to make sense of this one. Basically, all you need to know is Cat the the originator, the 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 first guy who bought. Wow. Uh, skeptic says one grandfather served in the Navy during World War II. Other one was a conscientious objector. His father had fought in World War One. Amazing, dude. And I think I dropped the statistics last episode, but more people enlisted in Vietnam than World War Two. It was like um, one third of all the soldiers that fought in World War Two were enlisted. You know, they 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 went to the enlistment center. They signed up. And as opposed to two thirds of the Vietnam War enlisted. So propaganda only got better at this time. Thanks to the Washington Post, actually. They were a big help for that. Um, but last episodes, we just I just talked about Catherine Graham, who the book is about her father, um, Eugene Meyer, international Zionist banker, um, big supporter of Zionism, bought tons of guns, built a big the first hospital in in. Um, colonized Israel, which isn't colonized. No, 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 that one. No, no, all the other, the, the, the other, everything else that was colonization, that, no, that was just returning to land that was allegedly there was 2000 years ago. So no, 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 guys, don't, don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. Um, but yeah, so he was a, he was a, you know, the book writes him like, Oh, wall street hated him. He, he was such a kind person. He cared. He would eventually become president of the world bank. <laughs> He was on the Federal Reserve Board. Yeah. So, you know, this was the, the guy that created that started the Washington Post. We talked about him, talked about Catherine, her background. She was a radical feminist of the time. Nothing compared to today's today's feminism, but a, a radical feminist at the time. Um, start American Student Union, all these all these groups that were probably created by, again, yet the FBI or the CIA or intelligence organizations to help control the anti-war movement. Um, I, I brought this up, which cracked me up. It just is so rel. It just connects so well to today. But Catherine, her group, you know, they they had this pledge, the Orthodox pledge. It was called or Orthodox. That's wrong. Not Orthodox pledge. It's a name that recovery houses have. Um, I can't think of it right now, but anyway, it's not like what it doesn't matter. Regardless, the pledge was you will never fight in a war. And that was a big, you know, this, this group, they were all new dealers. They're all like all oh, power to the people. And then once World War II was gearing up in the 1930s or, or the Nazis were gaining power, everything changed. It, it, they all left this. Let's help the people, the working man to let's bomb the shit out of countries in Europe. Um, we need to stop. It was just like exactly like Ukraine, you know, all the climate change, all the um, socialistic policies that are so important to so many people on the left. They're out the window, baby. Ukraine is front and center. And this same thing that happened in World War Two. 
And then we talked about Brian. What's up, dude? I Brian, I've mi- I needed you on Twitter. I, uh, oh, I can't even say because I haven't told my my parents yet what the the gender of our, our baby is. So just ignore that. But I I posted a shirt that I had and I said, who would know? Who knows? I can't even do it, Brian. You know, if you're on Twitter, you'll have to scroll down on my Twitter. But I I tweet. I said if Brian's on Twitter, I hope he will get. He'll know the answer. Um, um. Oh yeah, Phil Graham. But Philip Graham, that's the husband of Catherine Graham. He becomes the the owner of the Washington Post before he kills himself. And Philip Graham, Ivy League guy, Harvard, uh, worked as a Supreme Court assistant to this super radical Frankfurt. I think he was Jewish too as well. Um, Frank Frankfurter, can't remember Frank, something. Frankfurter, I think was his last name. Thanks, Evil. Thank you so much. And uh, but Phil Graham though, then he would go in World War II because. You know, he was, again, this guy that was all about, he was the a huge new dealer, huge, huge, huge new dealer, forgets all about all that once the war starts and, and he gets mad. He gets upset at all the student groups that his wife was a part of, that he was a part of because they're ignoring the war. They're, they're too focused on helping the working man and not, a, not act angry enough about defeating fascism. Um, so it's just hilarious, just hilarious. But he would become eventually he gets like injured and in work and basic training. So he becomes a military intelligence guy. And so basically the the whole point of these, the first two sh- shows we're setting up that the media, the press, they have been linked to banking and to um, spy craft forever, forever. I mean, they've, they've been just linked directly right everything and so that's what basically these first two shows were about was that um the washington post would become the cia's paper it started out as a cia it started out as an intelligence op paper so this is our third one this one as always i always like i probably say this each show but the last one's always my favorite to wrap it up um so we'll we'll get right and then also i want to say i'm reading a book i don't think i'll do a show on it Cause it's more like, uh, it reminds me a lot of like a J it's like Jay Dyer wrote the book. It's like a logical thing, but I started, I just was flipping through, um, this book, the, uh, I think it's called drug cartels do not exist. And I, I, uh, I, you know, I know that I, we all know the CIA is behind the global drug running. They have been since, um, operation Gladio started in the forties, fifties, but, um, the drug cartel and this only thing I'll say, then we'll get back to the paper. But I, just, I, I found this argument so interesting was that the drug cartel, they 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 make it seem like Mexico is a narco state. And they did that. It was a propaganda campaign that it there was actually when the federales in 2007 final, they, you know, it was like, oh, it's a narco state. We need to stop this. Let's ramp up, ramp it up in 2007. Yes. All right, Brian, you got it. Yep. There we go, buddy. Nice, nice. But um, the the, the drug cart they they more murders happened after the federales got involved in 2007 than the decades previous when you know drugs were was a total narco state and all these things like that. And basically, the point of the book is that if these cartels were actually as powerful as they say they are, they would have a monopoly on violence, but they do not. And if nothing is more evident by that, by the um. El Chapo being arrested and the New York Times quote, I, I, I highly recommend go find it. 
when he was arrested. But they the quote is something I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but it was basically like uh, El Chapo always has at least 300 armed guards. He, you know, uh, it, and once going back and looking at it, it just, rem- it just makes you laugh, you know, 300 armed guards at all times. He he's, he could get facial surgery to change how he looks, you know, the most ridiculous, outrageous things. But when they arrested him, not a single shot was fired. So is it a narco state? If it was a narco state, I think you'd have a little more issue arresting the top dog of the, the drug cartels it's just an invisible boogeyman. The drug war, all these things, it's always invisible boogeymans. Germs, drugs, um, terrorism. That's the best enemy for a government to have because who do you who is it? Who is it? You don't know who it is. And so you can just keep replacing the boogeyman. You can keep replacing the bad guy. And that was the so I found that I never thought of that idea, that the way logically thinking about drug cartels. But it's true, right? And it reminds me a lot of the moth and all of like the, the the movies and the and especially in South America, they've all, you know not drug cartel novels are very big. They're all the same. This it's like it's literally every novel that's popular. They have a Versace shirt, a gold AK forty seven, and they they create these characters just like a movie. And so and it, it reminds me a lot of the mob. How the mob, you know, is this once after they denied it existing for forty years. When they finally said, oh, OK, yes, there is organized crime in America. Then it was just an ever revolving door of an enemy of you. How did we get the Rico? How did here's how did we get the Rico? Um, how, how when did the Rico charges come out and able to arrest people that may have not done anything illegal, but because they are affiliated with a, a group that the government deems as a gang, as a criminal enterprise, you can be arrested. That's how they brought down the Hells Angels. That's how they would bring down the mob. So they use these invisible enemies constantly. So I, I just never heard that logic behind of um, drug cartels. So I thought that was an interesting book. But let's get back to the Washington Post. Sorry, I'm super dehydrated. Okay. All right, let's go. So Philip Graham, we talked about that. He would uh, he, he joined Eugene Meyer, Catherine's ad in 46. He had just, ex- and because Meyer... He just accepted a position to be the president of the wonderful organization, like I said, known as the World Bank. Phil was only 30 at the time. And him and him and Catherine totally by chance would purchase a home that belonged to a man by the name of Wild Bill Donovan. If you don't know who Wild Bill Donovan is, he was the elite OSS director, the precursor to the CIA. Um you know, again, what are the odds of that? This like again, like what are the odds of that, right? And uh, Donovan, he 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 built the organization that would cause millions of deaths, millions of stolen resources, espionage. That was also why the cartels were created because they, a lot of this land that cap American capitalists had, had resources, oil, whatever they wanted access to. Well, how do you get that land? How do you get people to leave? Well, you just say there's violence every day. You say that people are being slaughtered in the streets. Better being, it it just remind. It's just so. All these events, war, the atomic bomb in Japan, how each death that happened after, you know, within, I think, 10 months after the, the, the alleged atomic bombs were dropped, you could have been hit up by a bicycle. You could have been had a heart attack. That was an atomic. That was a, a radiation death. So it's just the same exact moves over and over again. But anyway. All right. Let's get back to Washington Post. Hey, Barbara, how are you? Thank you for coming. So nice. So nice. But Phil Graham, not a very present father. Catherine basically managed 
the kids while he focused on the paper. Phil was a genius media wise, propaganda wise, paper editing, setting up. He knew which stories to put, how to create the public opinion that he wanted. And as we, I briefly mentioned earlier, he, he wants to fight fascists. He's an anti, he's Antifa. That is Phil Graham and a current Antifa, the purple, the current, um, the people that glue their hands to Starbucks for milk. That's Phil Graham. And remember, he was all about the New Deal until the war started. And it's just not much different than the current way the Washington Post and CNN are today. They, you know, they, 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 how they cover for the CIA. And so Eugene would leave the World Bank, go back to the paper after giving it to Phil six months later. And Catherine was in the, the, the middle of managing these two huge egos. And this was the, the quote. It's, it makes me laugh. A quote, I think, from Eugene. Uh, it is our purpose that the control of the post shall be treated as a public trust and it shall never be transferred to the highest bidder. With the war over and the post officially transferred to the Grams in 48, the war was over. The quote unquote fighting of fascism was declining. So we got to, we, it's back. Let's push those liberal policies, baby. Full steam ahead. Let's get this country as communistic, Bolshevik like as we can, because that's what's going to, that's works. The neocons. I mean, that's what I would classify all Phil Graham and all these people as they're, they're the neocons of the forties. Uh, they're literally, it's, it's just so amazing to me that it's exactly the same. It's exactly in the 1930s, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. It's no different than 2020. It, it's not just different, different topics, different ideas, all that kind of stuff. But so coinciding though, with this new fear of quote unquote communist spies, which was real. It was gripping the nation. The post started buying up lo other local DC payer papers to solidify their place in the DC news. Because at the time the Washington post surprisingly was not the top dog in DC. And there's, here's a lovely Phil Graham quote. History does not mold men. Men can mold history. We say what history we say, what history we want to create. Oh, oh no, that's my quote. We just, you know, we, we tell you that the, the people who write the books, they tell you the history to create what you, they want you to believe, right? I mean, we can go talk about World War II all you want, the ultimate Nazis, the, the ultimate evil. Uh, you ask any person, especially the older, the boomer generation, they really were bombarded with World War II propaganda because their parents fought in it. But um, they, you know, you, so many people and so many of the Ukraine flag people on Twitter America is the good guy. Ukraine's the good guy. Everyone, Putler, you know, they're the evil, not us. You know, they ignore. We blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. We Ukraine blew up their own dam to flood a town. Um, but no, 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 no. That was the Russians doing that. It wasn't, wasn't, it was it couldn't be us. We're the good guys. We're the good guys. Uh, and, and Phil believed that the function of the press was to mobilize consent for policies of the government. And he was an architect of what would become wide, the widespread manipulation of journalism by the intelligence, by bankers, by whoever was paying them. Just like the scientists, they agree with whoever's paying them 99% of the time. And quote unquote, liberalism, even at this time, claims that they were anti-communist and Phil was a part of this camp. I think about that a lot because, you know, uh, I, I'm not trying to har harp on the, the boomers. I love my parents are boomers, but, um, you know, communism, that's a big, you know, they're very anti-communist. Um, and even liberals today, they still they they still will pull up that facade that they're anti-communist. 
So I don't think that the power elite, I don't think they want pure communism because that's pure state control. What they want is a corporate socialism where corporations control everything. The bankers control everything. They don't want the state controlling everything. They don't want, you know, a Stalin-esque character to come in and, and put them in jail for robbing the public. They want to put who they want, what they have today, but just even more. They want total monopolies, state monop monopolies um, that, you know, Amazon, you can only buy everything from them. You guys understand what I'm saying. History will be kind for me for I tend to write it. Damn. Did Winston, is that a real Winston Churchill quote, skeptic? <laughs> oh, gosh. But basically, Philip Graham and the Washington Post, they were the neocons of today. They wanted to spread the wonderful American democracy to the world, being the world's police. Phil disliked, even though he's an anti-communist, disliked McCarthy and Nixon's method of rooting out communists. He thought it, be, it could be done, done better through psychology, intelligence, and propaganda. And so the newly created CIA was filled with the Philip Grahams of the world, these liberal, quote, elite intellectuals, these Ivy Leaguers, same people that made up the CIA, the, what do they call it? A skeptic, skeptic knows what, they're, what they call the Oso Social Club, but that was OSS. But it was just all the Ivy Leaguers. That's who made up the original CIA, Skull and Bones members. So all these people believe the same thing. They they believed in this liberal world. Um, they, they again, they were anti-con... That, that's always a confusing thing for me because the CIA was so anti-communist. I mean, they funded all these underground revolutionary groups. And today they're so woke. So it's not... I, I, I don't believe it's communism that's the goal it's a, a corporate socialistic government. That's that's the that's the real goal. Um, they don't they they it's not communism. Hello, peanut puppy. Thank hope you're doing well downstairs, cleaning over the cleaning, cleaning up the kitchen. Uh, so the newly created CIA. Oh, I just said that, but the CIA was built with the anti-communist liberals, and even at this time, the right-wing world was appalled, even in, in the 1950s appalled that the security apparatus was being run by this group of people. Hoover even claimed himself that the CIA was communistic. Um, Cram, who was close with the, the OG members of the CIA, the Richard Helms, the Frank Wisners, the Alan Dulles of the world, all shared these similar beliefs as Graham. This is why the paper was successful. This is why they, they continued to grow. And Phil's affiliation with military intelligence their cooperation was a no-brainer, probably why he was allowed and put into this position of power. But there's this new, the new reporter on the ground, Benjamin Bradley. He got the goods on this famous story about a riot when blacks cannot swim at white, white only pools. And Dulles often said that Phil could write propaganda for blacks, but for nothing else. And, uh, but this story shows you just what type of sneakiness, these honest journalists, these these open minded, these liberal people that what they what they really were about. They 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 could all they would only write things that the CIA told them they were OK. Oh, you can write about that. You can't write about, you know, how international banking is, is enslaving the public, how we're erasing the middle class. No, no, no. Don't write about that. But you can write about this. Let's cause more division. Let's cause more anger. That's good. That's good stuff. That's what we want. Um and the reason for this, why the CIA, why uh, the, the mainstream press pushed integration, pushed just like they do today, pushed that, oh, whites are so racist and everything. 
and why Amazon, all these groups, they love this. They love having uh, a mandatory requirement of all different races, blah, 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 is because you are much less likely to work outside your race to group together to form a, a block that could consistent, that could combat the policies that are being shoved down our throats, right? You're, if you work at a, an, an Amazon um, and you are all over the political spectrum, you aren't going to unionize with somebody who believes you are an evil racist, right? You're just not going to do that. So this is why the press, and I, I hate the, oh, they're trying to divide us. I hate that line so much. It's such a cop out. It's such a weak stance to take. Um, but that's, it, it's not because they want to divide. It's just because it's, you won't work together with people. And so he, um, Ben Bradley, who we're really going to get into soon, he reached out to the owners of the pool and he said, I won't run a rough story if next year you promise to allow the blacks to swim in the swimming pool. Phil knew how Washington worked and these skills would only get better at interacting with the CIA. So there, Henry Wallace versus the, the Truman election. So you would think Truman was a Republican. Wallace was a Democrat. So right, Phil Graham, the Washington Post, CIA they're going to support the Democrat, right? Right. That makes sense. They would, that's who they write today. That's who they support today. But you would be wrong in thinking that. Why would, why did they not support uh, Henry Wallace? Well, he wasn't anti-communist enough and he wanted to end the Marshall plan and a few other liberal ideas. The reason why they didn't want these things to end is because again, this is how they're, they're forcing these countries to, follow our rules to follow these liberal ideas the ideals oh you're not going to um whatever i can't think of anything you're not going to you know just i'll use today's name you're not going to promote homosexuality well then you guess you're not getting money just like the esg for of companies you don't push this this propaganda you don't push these <clears throat> excuse me sorry i say dinner you don't push these these uh, woke ideals, well, then you're not going to get funding from us. And all these huge monopolized companies, you te Tesla, all, all of them, you think that, oh, they're these so such great companies, they're subsidized by the government. That they, they do that because they don't want any competition. They did that with the oil. That's that They did that with schooling. I mean, that's how Rockefeller, that's why all schools are exactly the same. They have the same curriculum, colleges, because Rockefeller created the General Education Board they said, you want money? You have to do this. You don't do this. You're not going to get our money. And that's why all the medical schools went out of business. That's why all the doctors were, were taught the same exact pharmaceutical based curriculum, because all the other medical schools that were these night schools that were allowing farmers and regular people to get an education and become a doctor, they were lowering the, the income of, of these Ivy League doctors. And they're teaching things that are holistic healing that isn't going to that maybe cures people. So that's not a su successful business. Rockefeller knew his oil was going to be used in pharmaceuticals. Well, we can't have other doctors not supporting that. So it's just the same. Again, history rhymes over, over and over again. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, two, two. Oh, and Phil would write articles about how Henry Wallace had shipped, helped ship uranium to the Soviets and other nuclear secrets. Is that true? In actuality, this hat, the, 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 the real story of that, of the uranium getting shipped to the Soviets, even though they're our ultimate enemy at the time was be was actually happening in the lend lease program. The same program that Philip Graham was a member of. You know, hypocrisy blame the others what you're doing over and over and you can contrast that story with the alger alger his story who was a full-blown communist this was the mccarthy nixon era uh, he was but he was a member of the intellectual elite circles phil rannon and what did phil do did he go after him for being a legit he was i think he was homosexual as well uh, a communist no he ran stories covering for his friend doing all that he could to protect him and Nixon was one of the main attackers against Hiss. So Phil would, that's what put Nixon on his radar. That's what put him on his, his burn list, whatever. And Phil was going to get his revenge. So the Post learned of the quote unquote illegal contributions that only Nixon got. No other politician ever got illegal, illegal, um, illegal contributions. But Phil ran this story on the page one and Nixon would have to do his humiliating check the, the checker speech where, you know, they, he said, what do I, you want me to give me back my family dog? That was the gift. That's what I got. Um, but that, that was in the 1950s. Hiss would eventually admit to perjury and Phil had to write the article that, oh, the man, my friend that I was covering for actually was a communist, but Nixon would never forgive Phil for his actions. Phil would never forgive Nixon's for his actions. And his wife carried that. And we'll get into that in a little bit as well. So many Phil, many of Phil's cronies were upset with him running the Hiss article on page uh, when it, when it came out, when it, when it, when it proved that he was a liar, perjurer, communist, just again, like today. Right. And the Grams would have lots of cocktail parties with the people of power in DC talking about, um, you know, overthrowing random third world countries, governments, how to influence elections and uprisings and other in third world countries. And in 1952, Frank Wisner came up with a great way how to fight communism, not a major war, but small skirmishes and psychological conditioning and propaganda, etc. And Phil was totally on board to help with this, to help, quote unquote, alter perceptions Thus, Operation Mockingbird was officially named and the Washington Post was where it was built. And so by 1950s, Wisner, Frank Wisner, CIA top dog, had journalists at the New York Times, at Newsweek, at CBS. He had over, he had estimates, 400 to 600 journalists working for the CIA. Four to 600 journalists in 1950s. 
And this is in the days of Twitter, right? You don't have blue, I mean, the blue check jokes kind of gone, but you don't have blue checks journalists everywhere. You have newspapers and granted there's lots of newspapers, but four to 600 journalists were getting paid by the CIA to run the stories they wanted them to cover. And each had, each journalist had their own code name, their own field supervisor. How much do you think that would cost? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're employing like four people to manage one journalist. Could we double check that figure? Could we find out how much money was the CIA actually paying to um, manipulate public opinion, to control the press? Uh, that's national security, people. You can't. That's classified. Come on. And it was widely known that Phil Graham was somebody that you could, quote unquote, get help from. I think that's a Wisner quote. And another Wisner quote was, you get a journalist cheaper than a good call girl. American press, freedom of the press, democracy. And Phil would recommend, recommend target certain reporters for jobs. And Wisner would pay that back to the Washington Post by the, the C so at the time, like I said, the Washington Post wasn't, wasn't too wealthy, right? So Frank, or so Phil would tell Frank, Hey, this would be a good guy. He'll write this article. He'll do what you need to do. You can trust him. And so to return to pay that back, the CIA would pay for Phil's reporters to go overseas to be an overseas journalist. And Phil justified that in his brain saying, Oh, well, that's not the same as buying a journalist. That's no, no. They're just help supporting to finding the truth, you know? And stories from the Washington Post pushed up the threat of the Soviet Union, their, their inter, intercontinental ballistic missiles, which at this time, America did not, you know, we dropped the nukes, but we didn't, the military industrial complex didn't totally grip hold in America at this point. But because the Washington Post kept reporting these stories, danger, 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 Soviets building missiles, Soviets building bombs, Soviets are coming, they're coming. It got the American public and other papers too. got the American public saying, we got to step it up. The communists are coming. And this, so the Washington Post helped build the military industrial complex. This was what they did. This this literally, this is how, and just what they do today with Ukraine and the press, right? It's the same thing, but that is who built the military industrial complex was the, the mainstream media press, the DC intellectual elite, because they're all together, just like the same, the Eugene Meyer bought the paper. It's the same thing. You know, it's just the, the same type of people. And you can make the case, like I said, or I just said that the Washington Post helped create the military industrial complex, if not was one of the lead people that helped create the, the military industrial complex. A mockingbird overseas was just as effective encouraging uprisings like in Hungary in 1956, which resulted in 60,000 people being killed. Frank Wisner would end up committing suicide a year after Phil prob due to prostitutes and media whores. Exactly. Dude. There's a surprising amount of overlap between journalism and intelligent community work wise. All of it. Yes, absolutely. And I'm talking old school investigative journal, not the horse, yeah, dude, absolutely. And that's what was so shocking to me was I, I knew, you know, the press has always been corrupt. I remember the JP Morgan story of him asking his his people, how many papers do I need to buy to to control public opinion? They said, you need to purchase these 30 newspapers. He bought them the next day. Um, so but it, I just I, it's just amazing how 
even then that 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 was it was so prevalent that's what built the press was, was in spy work and banking and wise frank wisner though probably feeling bad after being the cause of just in hungary alone sixty thousand people being slaughtered and god knows how many other thousands of people he was behind because he caused he insta instigated revolutions and uprisings he would commit suicide a year after phil and pro again like i said probably because the weight of his conscience maybe got the best of him as it should have maybe he said wow you know, maybe I really wasn't doing this for the good of the world. I was really just doing it for a paycheck. The Grams had the who's of who, who's who's in all in all circles, but you not usually reporters. That wasn't their big. Uh, that wasn't invite. Their, the, the reporters were invited to the Grams cocktail parties or the yeah the Grams cocktail parties, except one, Benjamin Bradley, and continuing continuing with the tradition and pattern of uh, journalism, the Washington Post. Who's Ben Bradley? Okay, well, Ben Bradley, he's most known for Watergate and uh, many other things that we'll get into. But let's let's look at Ben's background. Okay, you know, honest, courageous journalism from the Washington Post. Ben Bradley's father was an international banker. Shocking. His family, <laughs> what do they do? Oh, they, nothing other, they own the Boston Globe. So another international banker that owned a paper. Oh, wow. That's so weird. It never happens like that. And Phil would put Bradley as his foreign press attache in 1951, the Soviet propaganda arm, basically. And Bradley was instrumental, instrumental in utilizing the Smith-Mund Act, which was created in 1948, to disseminate, quote unquote, information, propaganda to foreign nations. Now, you may be familiar with the Smith-Mund Act, of which got approved in 2012 under Obama because this, the original Smith-Mund Act was the approval to put push propaganda to Soviet nations, to communist nations, the third world nations or communists were on the rise um, to the, you, that we should put the true information out there to these countries so they don't turn communist. But then in 2012, it was, the Smith-Mund Act in the 48 was written for foreign countries. Well, in 2012, that was switched Two, you were allowed to do not that they weren't doing that, but now it was legal to push propaganda to Americans. And this is why the 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 propaganda has only increased tenfold in America is because of this being repealed or re, you know, reworded um, from 2012. But Bradley's work would put him in the center of the anti-communist propaganda battle the atomic spies, uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. He would write articles condemning their guilt. And the, the Rosenbergs, if you don't know, they were this husband and wife that supposedly was giving nuclear secrets to the Soviets, to Israel. I can't remember which one, um, but the, they, and you would, again, you would think, oh, well, they would probably, no, Bradley, the Washington Post, they pounded them. They, they pretty much condemned their guilt before trial ever took place. And, they would be they would be found guilty and i think they were killed i'm pretty sure i think they got the the death penalty and he would also be involved with the algerian guerrillas which was a revolution shocking against the the french oppressors oppressors and he would bradley would be kicked out of france because after they discovered he was clearly acting as an intelligence oper operative he was causing dissent, causing uprisings. 
probably because I, God knows why probably the same reason they do things today. They wanted, um, globalization. They wanted, um, the, the, yeah, they, they just want chaos. They want chaos so they can come in and control everything. And look at France today. I mean, dude, what autonomy do they really have? They, they, all, all of Europe, all of Western Europe is ran by America, by Britain, you know, look at Germany, dude. Look at all of the, our, our Western, I, Portugal, maybe you can make a case they're not. I think they're pretty tough on their immigration policies. So good for them. Uh, but everybody else you see, I mean, Britain is both, they, people were, they're, they're bringing so many migrants in every day so much money it's disgusting and again no public would willingly champion this cause unless they're propagandized no one would say yes i'm poor my fam my my country fellow countrymen are poor let's bring more people in and make our people even more poor because that doesn't make any sense right that doesn't make any sense so why would you do that? You wouldn't unless you're probably, unless you're just so brainwashed that you, 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 yeah, you, you get it. You get it. But anyway, okay. Um, so anyway, Bradley, he would eventually start writing for Newsweek where he met CIA agent Richard Helms, who would become the director of the CIA in 1966. Helms, how did he get in the CIA? Well, Helms, his, his grandfather, what did Richard Helms, CIA director, his grandfather do? You want to take a guess? There, they, there's only like three options, okay? You, you know, they're either like a, a CEO of a major predatory monopoly, um, but he was an international banker. He was a member of the Astor Foundation, which coincidentally owned Newsweek. Oh, imagine that. So Ben's grandfather worked for, was an international banker whose company owned the paper that his son would end, his grandson would end up leading. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sure, zero issues with um, honesty there, with loyal, where your loyalties lie. I'm sure totally, he, he was just an honest journalist. Uh, yep, exactly, Brian. And bang as they always are. And Bradley would let Graham know. So he worked for Newsweek. Newsweek, no one knows it's for sale. No one knows. But Ben Bradley knows because his grandfather works for the company that owns Newsweek. And he quickly sends Mr. Graham a little message and says, hey, it's for sale. And Philip Graham was a bipolar guy. He, that's why he, probably one of the reasons why he ended up killing himself. He would have manic episodes. And in one of his manic episodes was the time Newsweek was put up for sale. He he got a 
He put down a $1 million down payment. Where did he get that $1 million from? Oh, none other than a CIA agent. Helped let make that deal happen. Because the CIA is, they just want an honest press. That's all they want. That's all they want. And you would think Phil would be intimidated by his wife, right? I mean, his wife is a, she's, her dad owned the paper. That's why he works at the paper. That's why he's rich. Because of his wife. Quite the contrary. She, he was kind of like hated his wife. He, she was the butt of the jokes about her intelligence. His colleagues at the paper treated her that way. And she'd get some payback at the end of that. But he, he was very mean to Catherine Graham. And Phil was very close with another guy that you are probably familiar with, James Forrestal. He would be, who was Secretary of the Navy, very powerful guy, who also suffered uh, allegedly from manic episodes. And in one of his manic episodes, James Forrestal, I believe he was against something. Now, alien people tell you is majestic. It was an alien reason why he got killed. It wasn't. I, there was something else that I learned later that he was against. I, I just can't remember what it was. Uh, but eventually, he he quote unquote quote unquote jumps out of a window as as many people do who become enemies of the military industrial complex. He jumps out of a window, and I think Phil saw a lot of himself in James Forrestal. And Phil knew how the game was played. He was close with both LBJ, JFK. And Phil was instrumental in getting the Civil Rights Act passed and link and forever linking the Democratic Party with the African-American community. It was because of the Civil Rights Act in 64, LBJ's Great Society. Prior to that, the, I mean, as you know, this is the common Republican uh, thing. Who's who funded the or who started the K? Who is a party of the KKK? The Democrats were the party of Abe Lincoln. Um, but. They, they, you know, obviously, so prior to that, African-Americans voted Republican predominantly. The South was Democrats. They were the, you know, Jim Crow, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the, the Great Society changed that forever and locked the African-American community into voting Democrat for the next 80 years or whatever, whatever, 60 to 20. Yeah, 60 years, 65 years. Do, do, do. And. Just like so many, and, and, and so Phil and, and Washington Post wrote all of these amazing articles about LBJ, pushed LBJ, wrote articles about his, his Civil Rights Act, about how amazing it is to help get it accepted by public opinion and passed by Congress. And just like everything that the left does and these progressive ideals do, on paper, they, they sound reasonable. Just like in when we made gay marriage legal, right? Like, is it really the government's business to know what you're doing in the privacy of your own bedroom? That's the argument they use, right? And no, I and I can agree with that. I'm a rat, rational. I don't want the government, you know, saying, "Oh, banning my my marriage with my wife because she's not white." You know, like right, I get that. That's I accept that. I that that's reasonable. But that's what they do. They they start out reasonable. Women should be able to vote. Yeah, they should be able to vote. You know the. They should have rights. Yeah, they should have basic rights. These are these, and that's what they do. They 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 put it out in this very like reasonable, logical way, and they know that's not the goal. The goal it's a slippery slope. Same with gun control. This is what this is what they do. This is what they do. But regardless, post they they they. I mean, the Civil Rights Act brought us to where we have today: affirmative action, uh, quotas of how many people you have to have in employed in certain companies. 
um, insurance. I don't think insurance, I think that was more new deal stuff, but they, again, also these rules are passed because they, it, it eliminates competition. That's why the new deal was, was put through the new deal. You know, you need to have, if you have employee over 50 people, you need to have health insurance. You need to have this, you need to have that because we care about the workers. Is that why, or was it because they didn't want any new business, new company rising up, knocking off the top monopoly dogs? That was why they did it because they knew that a, a new company couldn't afford to pay for insurance for all the people. They do that still today. Um, I, I, with, um, the COVID rules, you know, if you had over a hundred people, you had, they all, they, this is what they do. They, they, this is what they do. They, it, it's anti-capitalistic maneuvers that they put under the guise of progressive policies. Um, uh, uh, Phil would also be, he was banging girls with JFK doing some fun orgy stuff. He would eventually Phil Graham would buy a house or some random lady and, and made Catherine to be the villain of his manic mind. They're, they're all scumbags. These people they are so disgusting and despicable, degenerate. And Phil really started breaking down at, at one point. Um, he thought he had made Kennedy. He thought that it was because of the Washington post that Kennedy became, became president and who it is they that he was so liked and adored by the public and he thought they were best friends until operation mongoose which was the armed cuban revolution where we we armed car armed cuban rebel you know the bay of pigs and they brought along cbs reporter instead of phil to cover this and this he started to crumble he was drinking for days threatening suicides all this stuff um, his relationship with Catherine just deteriorating even more. They started divorce proceedings. I mean, the dude was a mess. This is a hilarious story. Just imagine who, I guess Jeff Bezos was the owner of the, the post now, but um, regardless, so Phil, uh, the CEO of the Washington post, he's a mess now, right? He's like insane. He's crazy. Um, so there's this big, and, and they picked the other guy instead of him. He's very upset. His feelings are hurt. There's this big banquet in D.C., all these famous people, all these powerful people. And um, Phil Phil comes stumbling into the party. He didn't get invited, right? He just he party crashes. And like I said, he was a, such a mess. He, he comes in, walks right up on stage, grabs the mic. I mean, this is hilarious. He grabs the mic and he just takes the mic hammered and he goes, yeah, I will tell you. Who in Washington is sleeping with who? And beginning with President Kennedy. And he started naming people that Kennedy was sleeping with. And he just kept going and going and going. And the first woman that he named was this was a CIA agent's wife, Cord Meyer, who we're going to get into in a second. But could you imagine that? Like, um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Uh, Brian Stelzer. That's a good. Imagine Brian Stelzer coming into a huge DC banquet, hammered, grabbing the mic and just going crazy. I I I wish I could see that that happen. I would have. I would be. I was just reading. I was like dying. I was just imagining it. Just or, or Jake Tapper or Don Lemon just coming into a, a big banquet and just going. I'll tell you all about who. Oh, just hilarious, hilarious. But anyway, Phil would, uh, Catherine, she would eventually have to ki like essentially kidnap Phil to send him to a psychiatric hospital. And uh, that was the end. After a few months, Phil would take his life. 
choose, and he chose the day August 3rd, 1963. This was not a random day. So, you know, now that also makes me question cult ritual, you know, uh, my conspiracy conspiratorial mind goes a little bit into it, but regardless, that was the 15th anniversary of the formation of the Washington post company. And Catherine immediately after Phil committed suicide, she goes on a yacht with her mom in Europe where she would meet with president Khrushchev. Again, it's all fake. They're all friends. They're all buddies. You know, Oh, I thought you were an anti-communist. Why are you meeting with the leader of the Soviet union? on a boat, on a yacht. Is that really, what are you, is that going to be a hard hitting interview on your yacht? Right. That's not normally they don't, um, you know, when you have a big interview with a powerful, if, if someone was going to interview Putin on their private yacht, would you really take that? Is Putin really an evil guy? If you were going to hang out with them on your yacht, but anyway, so though insane, Phil was, like I said, a newspaper genius. Catherine didn't have his natural talent. Nobody did. I mean, the guy was just so good at propaganda. He, he was an Edward Bernays-esque kind of guy. He was so good at creating propaganda, of getting, picking what was important, what he wanted people to think, feel, know about. And she didn't have his natural ta- talents and, and things had to change accordingly, right? So she, she ran the paper on this logic and very... Um, a very feminine logic. I'll say it that way. If the politician is your friend, their actions are honorable. If they're not your friend, they're always suspect. And so this is, this is why Catherine Graham, she would go to the movies with Henry Kissinger. She hated Nixon, loved Kissinger. Kissinger was Nixon's right-hand man. How do you hate the guy that's also behind the same policies of the guy that you really dislike. You're writing all these horrible things about, you're going to bring down his presidency, but yeah, you're friends with his right-hand man. Right? So this is, this is, and this is how the post and all news is ran today. If, if you have a D next to your name, every action you take is written in an admirable, progressive, positive light on, on the inverse of that. If you have an R, well, if you are, if you're an R and you're, um, you know, not a rhino, you're not a, a, a neocon, not, and everything you do is, is suspect. So basically though, everyone in all the politicians knew this in DC, they just had a charmer. So the higher ups, the post, they did not know they were with Phil. They, I mean, they were already embedded with the CIA at this point when Phil went. So Phil died in 63, Catherine or committed suicide in 63. So at this point, the CIA started in 1947, um, or the NS National Security Act was passed in 47. I don't know how quickly after that the CIA was created. I think it was created right in 47, maybe 48, but um, they were very embedded at this point. So people like, uh, they were higher ups, the Washington Post, these guys, they made fun of Catherine Graham with Phil for years. She was the butt of jokes. They don't want to tell this woman these secrets, their secrets, their things that if an outsider saw, maybe they could be misconstrued as corrupt, not very good. Uh, because they were corrupt and they weren't good. Uh, so they didn't know what they didn't know what to tell her. So how you know, like how in exchange for exclusive stories, certain agencies, politicians be written in a special light. This guy, Joseph Alsop, he's an intelligence guy. He's a journalist in World War II. Then he goes to do work with in China China with the flying tigers, I, which was basically Mockingbird before Mockingbird. And his quote was 
newspaper men doesn't have a duty to his country is perfect balls. So what he's saying here is if you're a journalist, it is your responsibility to write patriotic articles to support America and or support America at the time, much different America they're supporting, one that we would recognize today we wouldn't. And then, or senior editor, Alfred Friendly. He was an employee of the Post from 1939 to 1951. At the same time, he was, a, a you know, a, an honest journalist for the Washington Post. What was he doing? Well, he was spending a lot of his time in the Air Force Intelligence Unit and director of overseas information. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Whenever you hear information and in overseas, you can bet your bottom dollar that is not information and it is propaganda. Um, so the, the post is this is the intellectual quote unquote elite who got comfortable helping pass policy and culture. This was huge. Walter Littman, he was a Washington Post columnist. In 1925, he wrote this book, this article, whatever, called The Phantom Public, where basically he said, and this again, this is 1925. He's basically said that the freedom of the press is necessity or the freedom of the press necessity for democracy is bullshit because the public is not smart enough to decide affairs of the state. Decisions ought to be left with those to those with experienced and seasoned judgment. And that was in 1925. So to anybody that's ever, and I say this probably all the time, but anybody that ever says the press is, is been on, you know, Oh, Walter Cronkite just told you the news that was written in 1925 from a huge journalist that the public doesn't know and what they don't know. They don't just, they, they don't, they shouldn't have a say they're too dumb. And how do the, how does the press view us today? The same exact way. They think we're idiots. Remember during Schmovid, um, Oh, don't research. Oh, you research that? What are you? Oh my God. Don't. Oh, you're a researcher. They mocked people researching information. Does that, is that is, oh, that's what a dumb person does. Oh, so a smart person just would regurgitate and parrots back exactly what you tell me to think. I got it. Thank you. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And so you can see how this ideology grew, right? It has been with the press since the beginning. And the 1930s was a crazy time for marketing and propaganda. It was a whole new world. Bernays, um, you know, Madison Avenue, all this stuff really took hold in the 30s. Powerful people started learning, wow, 
we could really sweat. We can actually, we can scientifically sway public opinion to about what to buy, what to eat, what to sell, what to think, what to feel. And they used every avenue available to do that. And the Washington Post men were, were so successful at creating consent for government policies. And you see that today to a whole new level. I mean, again, people specific, especially white people cheering, cheering on their, our demise. We, we, people, the CEO of Chick-fil-A, you know, washing African-American white, cleaning their shoes, shining their shoes. Is that, is that how you would want to be treated? If I went to Korea and, or I, I can't think of a good example, I wouldn't, that's not how someone I would respect would, I would say, please let me shine your shoes for my, my ancestors wrongs, wrongdoings, which weren't really my ancestors because only uh, 1% of the South owned slaves. But let me shine your shoes to apologize. I would think, dude, you are a huge vagina. I will never respect you. You get out of my face. And so that's what the, 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 that's what the watch, that's what the press was. That's what they already realized. We need to do, we need to do our job to create consent to help our buddies in politics. And that is, this is why the Washington Post was so successful. It wasn't the best journalist. It wasn't the best stories. It was that, that they were one of the first to strike a deal with the federal intel, the, the intelligence org community to, to align their stories with government policies that they're trying to get passed. And the intelligence apparatus even helped the Washington Post buy another paper, the Times Herald, which was another DC paper, more of the same. But John S. Hayes, he's a Washington Post executive. He's buddies with this guy, Cur Colonel William Paley, who was the founder, founder chairman of CBS, who believed it was the media's duty to help the war effort. Paley was best buds with Alan Dulles. Providing cut, he would provide cover for Alan Dulles's CIA agents. He supplied outtakes of news films. He would debrief that he would get his reporters to be debriefed by the CIA after they came back from overseas or from stories. He set the standard, this Colonel William Paley, for the cooperation between the CIA and the news. So, like I said, he's the founder of CBS. So Paley gets asked by Phil Graham in 1948, "Can I buy CBS from you?" And he, he refuses, you know, he doesn't need, he doesn't need the money. Well, his buddy, Alan Dulles says, come on, Will, come on, buddy. Don't you be a team player. This is for the, for the, for America, but man, it's to help us. And so he says, okay, all right, you're right, Alan. You're right. You're right. So Phil in the Washington post purchased 55% of CBS. And um, yeah, they would eventually have to sell that in the eighties the or whatever, but you can just see like these, these, they're just so corrupted. What's true. What's real. Nothing is real. CBS equals CIA broadcasting station. Absolutely, dude. And I never knew that the Washington post owned 55% of CBS. Oh gosh, guys, it's it can be really discouraging. You know, be really upsetting. You just, um, and yet people still, they just, they don't see it, dude. They don't see it. It's just, I, I was in a real funky mood the past two days. I was just going off on Twitter, leaving comments that I shouldn't leave, arguing with people on Instagram, making jokes and stuff. But just what they say, these people like about Ukraine and how we need to support them. And the, I saw a video, it was so sad. It was these two Ukrainian soldiers. They're, it was a very vicious video 
um, the guy's legs like blown open. And that makes me sick. I'm not good with blood. I, I like fast forward that part. And they, they're saying, please kill me to the Russian soldier. Please kill me. Please kill me. And the Russian soldier says, like, where's your tourniquet? Like, you know, no, I'll help you. Blah, blah, blah. Let me try and help you. You know, soldiers, they, they, they don't want to kill each other. They're we are they, you know, it's poor people fighting poor people for rich people. They don't want to do this. They're and and you know, I, the, I forget what the one a comment I commented under it was whatever I said. I mean, you know, something like this is so sad. Like, uh, you know, oh, it's just disgusting. And someone commented like, you, you know, championing like like first thing they said, no, those are Russian soldiers um, that were dying, and the Ukrainian guy. You know, it's just they they cheer. They cheer cousins wars. Exactly. Carl. I it, you know, just like war, war one, 250,000 European neighbors slaughtered each other for what, if you ask the public, what started these wars, they wouldn't know what started the Russian war. Putler, he invaded Ukraine. Oh, really? Well, how about, did you care for the, in 2014, when the Ukrainian Ukrainians were killing their own, Ukrainians who were siding, who were more affiliated, they, they saw themselves as Russians. Was that evil? Was that good? Was that good? Or, or the fact that, um, $400,000 stinger missiles, which is up like a 200% increase from four years ago is being sent to Ukraine. So somebody's making a boatload of money when people are, when you look in Kensington and Philadelphia and it looks like a zombie apocalypse, you know, it's just despicable and amazing. So I see why the, the intellectual elite think that the public can't make decisions because most of them can't. They need to be told what to do. And that's why I always laugh, you know, with libertarians uh, I, in a perfect world. I agree with you. Libertarian. I, I am full blown libertarian there. You don't need rules in a normal world. If everyone was regular like us, intelligent, responsible, respectful people, you wouldn't need rules. I, I have an HOA. Dude, if I didn't have the HOA already, the HOA kind of sucks because people don't follow the rules. But I have people that, you know, just th leave their dog shit everywhere. This is why libertarianism won't work because people are assholes and they don't they, they just don't, you know. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting off off topic. So anyway, uh, Phil Graham, Washington Post, able to purchase 55 percent of CBS. And so basically so Dulles. The CIA had an ever-expanding corral of reporters from and stooges to utilize, to write propaganda for them. Didn't harm relations, though. Every Christmas, you know, uh, um, Paley and, and Graham, Paley wasn't upset because every Christmas, uh, Mr. Alan Dulles, the, all the Post, Washington Post, big players, Paley, Walter Cronkite, the man that just told you the news, they would attend a secret dinner held, put on by Alan Dulles. Oh, I'm sure again, that doesn't cause any issues for loyalty, for, for integrity, going to a special elite dinner with a person that's doing mm, morally ambiguous, illegal, uh, murderous acts, but you go attend a, a dinner party with him and you shake his hand, you make jokes, you laugh, you break bread. I'm sure that's not going to affect your article that you're writing about how in Guatemala, how the CIA overthrew, caused a revolution that killed 2 million people of a population of 4 million. No, I'm sure that's not going to be an issue at all. And Kennedy relied on the press just as much. JFK, after the failed Cuban 
uh, missile crisis. I didn't know this because I'm not big on Kennedy stuff, but his, his his quote was to do the right thing, the safe thing. Plead to the press. He said this too. Please keep it under wraps for now. Set which set a horrible precedent, which made the Washington Post men feel like it was their job to keep Americans safe by not telling the truth, by not telling you the story. It's keeping us safe. And that was JFK. That was the president that everyone loves. That was his, that's what he told the press to do. Guys, national security. Let's keep this quiet. Let's keep this quiet. It's important for safety reasons. For safety or for you. Come on. Are you And Kennedy would hire John S. Hayes, who we talked about earlier, to, to a secret CIA task force on how could we beam American propaganda to communist China. Other team members of this little secret CIA task force was a guy named Richard Salant. What did he, what was he? Oh, he was the president of CBS. Zbigniew Brzezinski, Cord Meyer, McGeorge Bundy. None of this was cleared by Catherine Graham. No one told her, no one, she, and she was fighting to gain control of her paper empire from all these people, all these powerful press guys that had connections at the top levels of the federal government, of the, the intelligence community. And when she took over, she wrote paper for the Post for her father prior to, in like, you know, in the early years, uh, she started, she wrote articles in 1939. I talked about the, the article she wrote about, um, Upton Sinclair, how he was, how he, they, that, uh, the government was fascist for blocking his book because he wrote a book about how, um, uh, the, he wrote a story like a Republican guy was a fascist taking over America and blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was like a socialistic book and they, the, you know, the government didn't want that out. And he said how Hollywood will never have progressive values because it's controlled by fascist evil people. Um, and that was Catherine Graham, an article Catherine Graham wrote. I, I was laughing how much that's changed. Uh, but so it, it was more now than ever was it would left this. Let's tell the truth to how do we help our guy? How do we support our politician? I'm sorry. Let me read. Skeptic always has such good. Oh, oh, I I don't know you, Justin. The more I learn of our more secretive history, the more I believe the true conspiracy theories that the USA has ever truly been governed by the people for has has never. I'm assuming truly been governed by the people for the people. And Justin, Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are so true. That's, so, that's exactly it. Or the weapons earmarked for Ukraine are turning up on the Mexican border. I did not know that, skeptic. What are the odds of that? I'm I'm sure that's just a, an oversight, right? 70% of the equipment that gets sent to Ukraine doesn't make it to the front lines, but the black market arms trade is booming. And if American public knew all the dirt that their government got down to, they'd be like that meme that asks, are we the baddies? Dude, I didn't know that. I heard that a lot of the equipment's not making it. What do you expect, right? Didn't we just like, again, three years ago, 
wasn't Ukraine like ranked one of the most corrupt nations in the world, like more corrupt than the countries in Africa? But now we now we trust them with giving 80 billion dollars because Zelensky's president, an actor. It's comical, dude. And yet people are just so dumb or brainwashed. They don't see any of this. All right. I, I'm getting so and this is like the, I, I got to get I'm, I still got a lot to go. I'm going too long. And I, this is the best part of the whole thing. So here. All right. So um, Kennedy's favorite journalist would be Benjamin Bradley who only once printed a bad story that Kennedy didn't want printed. And uh, he, he, um, he, he talked to him about that. He said, you better knock that off, buddy. Um, but once you participate in political blackmail, like what these press men would do, you can't stop because of fear of being outed. So the game continues, right? And that's, that's obvious. It's like in prison, if a guard, you know, brings in tobacco, for a prisoner, you know, his relative says, Hey, I'll give you 2000 bucks, bring in this tobacco, sneak it in. And, um, I'll give you 2000 bucks. Well, that's not so right. He says, what's the harm bringing tobacco in, but now you're screwed because you can never get your stuff because they're going to, if you don't do the next thing, which is going to increase, they're going to rat you out. And that's exactly what happened to the press. The moment that one of them accepts blackmail, the mo one moment, one of them says, okay, I won't write this story. If as long as you do this, you're locked in and it's only going to increase more and more and more until they kill you, which they usually do. Um, supposedly Catherine never knew fully about the close connection between her media empire and the, and her reporters and the CIA until 1977 when Carl Bernstein wrote the CIA and the media. Did she? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, again, her dad was an international banker. He was a scumbag. Did she not know? I don't know. I don't know. But Alfred Friendly, he was this high, I already kind of mentioned his name, Washington Post high up. He wrote an internal memo in 58. And this memo was huge. It basically, it, it was like the golden rules of journalism. And he wrote all these rules, based, and they were like basically like, if a politician says off the record, it mean, it don't, you can't write it, okay? He, basically, when they say off the record to you, they're telling you what they're actually doing, but they're telling you what what, what you should say to deceive the public. That that was a it was basically just a whole memo of how to be a corrupt journalist. If you do this, if you follow the rule his rules, you'll get more exclusive stories and more information. And he encouraged again. This is one of the top guys in the big one of the biggest papers in the United States. If you he encouraged his reporters to not get stories outside the boundaries of this system because they would be worthless. And no stories outside his boundaries were published during the Kennedy years, which is why the public loved him, because not a single bad article would be written about John F. Kennedy over the years. And the military would also take these rules, spruce them up and use them for the Vietnam journalists that were just landing in Vietnam in 1962. And these corrupted guidelines would lead to the shocking Pentagon Papers in 1971. What were the Pentagon Papers? Well, the Pentagon Papers was that the Johnson administration had systematically been lying to the public and to Congress, like how they were actually bombing, enlarged the scope of its actions, Vietnam War, dropping bombs on Cambodia and Laos, and doing all these other horrible things 
that the Washington Post knew they were doing, but they covered up for them. And when the Pentagon Papers got dropped, Catherine, or they were, oh, I, we'll get into that in a second. I'm sorry. So Catherine, she also, this is hilarious as well, you know, this radical feminist. She was in a battle because the Washington Post and a lot of newspaper people were, try, were, were trying to form a union at her media empire. The wives of her reporters would stand outside her Georgetown house protesting, and she would shut those protests down so quickly. Oh my God, wait, I thought she's so progressive and she loves the working man and all this stuff. Then why won't you let them unionize, Catherine? Why won't you, why won't you do what's good for the people then? Um, and in 1963, 20 of her pressmen, they destroyed a press room at the result in, in the Washington Post headquarters. And Catherine, she comes out in her paper. She says millions in damages were done. Millions. Well, how much damage was done? $13,000 in, in damage. The charges were dropped. And she said, this is her lovely quote, unions interfere with the freedom of the press. How do they interfere with the freedom of the press? I don't know. But like the Post had any um, freedom of the press to begin with, but I find it hilarious that the woke paper of then, of today, uh, the radical feminists, the, you know, the anti-war, except for fascist wars, the, the uh, you know, civil rights paper, anti-union? Oh, wow. Imagine that. Imagine that. Oh, uh, thanks, Justin. Dude, I, you rock. That's such a nice compliment, man. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad to have you here, buddy. There's, you know, there's usually not too many people here. So if you ever have anything to add, I'll read it. I'll, I'll uh, read it out. Like my like skeptic, he's a book of knowledge. He adds so much valuable info to the show. So you guys make you guys help make the show great. So thank you, dude. That was such a nice thing to say. It's gonna make my night, dude. Thank you. Um. Oh yeah. So the 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 the, the union. She's free and press. Blah blah blah. Rules. But and again, what is just the Democrats of today? Rules for thee, not for me. Unions support the unions. Well, why don't you have a union? Oh, no, no, no. I can't have a union. That'll ruin the freedom of the press. That'll ruin journalism. And her management style doubled doubled profit for, from when Phil was in control in 63 to when when she was, you know, after five years in 1969, they, she doubled the profit of the Washington Post empire. Post was attracting more than half of advertising revenue available in the Washington market. She attended the Republican National Convention in 1964 with Barry Goldwater, and she was shocked, shocked to hear how Eisenhower had a 20-minute speech about the evils of the press, and Nixon joined in on that party. Barry Goldwater spoke, um, and he said, "You want to, if you want, if when this country turns co to co a communistic country, and you want to know why that happened, look no further than the Writers Guild made by the New York Post in 1933, and the liberal press." has always been liberal. Catherine would meet up with LBJ on his ranch with her daughter. And shocker, the paper treated LBJ like a god that could do no wrong, just like Kennedy. He even, this Catherine Graham, again, the, the CEO of a, of a honest and in, in, integrity-having journal paper flew on Air Force One alone with, you know, with her, with her daughter, with LBJ to go to him and his secret service to, to his ranch in Texas. And, um, 
Is that is that on, oh that's hard hitting journalism I guess. So she flew on a president's plane to his rants, John Spann talking about which post reporters he trusted, which ones he didn't. Basically, he she promised him her devotion, and that devotion was tested by the Vietnam War. He would personally hold her accountable for any story he did not like, for the reporters he did not trust, and Johnson defined the purpose of the war and explained the war in terms she would understand, but it not would it wouldn't be enough. He she didn't support. Um, LBJ enough in his mind. And his quote was, even after all she did for him, after she wrote all these articles, blah, blah, blah. If Phil were running the paper, it would have been a different, it would have been a different presidency for me. All right. Last thing that, yeah. Okay. So we're almost done here, but um, Catherine would eventually be, get sent to South Vietnam in 1965. The same time LBJ is pumping out intensive bombing in North Vietnam he arranged for her to meet generals, diplomats, debri and debrief her when she returned. And at this time, it was a still kind of like a quote-unquote private war ran by the, the elites of America, the people that she had cocktail parties with, the people she knew to be good. And uh, it was a, a, a brilliant response to the political forces of Asia. But when And so when she returned, the Post ran stories about how Vietnam, it's not just a single issue, guys. No. This is a law. This is a war, a long war that will determine if the communist world was going to continue. It's not just about Vietnam. It's about the world. Do you want to live in communist America? And they did run a story that mildly said, hilarious, hilarious, dude, hilarious. So there, because of, you know, Vietnam, we're dropping napalm, we're dropping Agent Orange. Um, from Dow Chemical. And so this is getting, you know, people find this out. They're, they're a little upset, right? You know, we're the good guys and we're dropping napalm on third world farmers that live in little huts. And so they, the, the Washington Post, they run a story and it said, maybe Johnson should stop using gas and napalm, but, but it was hypocritical to be so out, outraged about this, everybody, because they're non-toxic gases. So come on, it's they're non-toxic, dude. Chill out, chill out. They're non-toxic. You guys are blowing this up, which would then be changed though when Nixon took office and then dropping napalm and Agent Orange, Agent Orange was actually super evil and only an evil, sick man would do such a thing. And I swear we could find a million or that a Twitter account, um, defiant L posting L's or whatever, who posted hypocrisy of all the, the left wing uh, mouthpieces, how, you know, like the, the, with, when Trump, you know, came out with the pokey poke, everyone said, Oh, I'll never take that. And then they have the tweet, you know, six months later, you, if you don't get it, you deserve to be in jail locked up. You know, it's just, again, nothing changes. And the, the post never questioned why if Ho Chi Minh was this, was wasn't really a guerrilla fighter, but he's he had this deep infrastructure who would like, like they they just never questioned the government's logic. Like if so, okay, so he has the, this deep communistic infrastructure that who would surrender eventually if we dropped enough bombs, or was he just like this guerrilla fighter with a small group? Like none of these questions were asked. What what is this? Like who are we really fighting here? What's, you know, this isn't a clear cut war like World War II and World War One, And the and more bombs were dropped in Vietnam than all of World War II, by the way, if you didn't know that. 
And the Post supported the war longer. The Washington Post supported the war in Vietnam longer than any other major newspaper in the nation. And she would replace eventually Alfred Friendly with Benjamin Bradley from Newsweek, the, the grandson of an international banker of the Astor Institute, who, which also, I have to say this, the Astor, you know, the, the, I love that post. Oh, they sunk the Titanic because Jacob Astor and Guggenheim were on it and they didn't want the Federal Reserve. Yep, yep, that's it. That's you guys solved it. Right. Yep. The Astor Foundation created the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Guggenheims, which were involved in international banking uh, monopolization. Yeah, they they were worried about the public. They were worried. They were worried. They didn't want to they didn't want to sell Federal Reserve Bank. Oh, I hate that so goddamn much. If you ever post that, don't follow me. We're done. We're done. After if I see that from you, I'm going to I'm going to get mad just joking, but it's, it's totally wrong. So uh, this was um, uh, Benjamin Bradley's quote. I have no politics, no opinion on the war, but I would never hire no son of a bitch reporter who wasn't a patriot. Uh, just again, it just, it's Ukraine. It's Ukraine round two. You know, Ukraine is round two, right? And reminder, Ben Bradley Okay, so Ben, let's get back to Benjamin Bradley because he's so important. So he was very close with JFK. Why was he so close with JFK? Well, his wife's sister was a, a, a woman by the name of Mary. And um, Mary was one of JFK's lovers. Who, and Mary was also um, the wife of Cordmeyer, who was a CIA, top CIA agent. So she eventually would fall out with Cord because he was doing all these secret missions and she would go live in Bradley's renovated garage. He turned into apartment for their for and that's where JFK would come for their their bang sessions was this little garage. And so his relationship with JFK would change a little bit after Mary was murdered under strange circumstances in 1964, a black man. That's who they blamed, of course, as they, they usually like to do, was put on trial. And he was acquitted and 10 months later released from prison after being held without bail because they had zero evidence to hold this man. The killer shocker was never found. A skeptic, the Titanic Olympic conspiracy theory that, so that's my only, was it for the insurance money? Was that the flip? Was that why they did it? Possibly, possibly. I, but I know it, there's no way that they, 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 they sunk, you know, JP Morgan and them got together and said, let's sink the Titanic to kill Guggenheim and Astor because they were not again. They, they were absolutely they, the bank of England existed for years. The Astor family was very close with the, the bank of England. You know, that doesn't make any sense, but anyway. Um, so yeah, so the, the, this JFK's lover, she's mysteriously murdered. Um, and, uh, the mystery gets even more crazy when, CIA chief of counterintelligence, James Angleton. He's the one that searches her studio after the murder, he finds a diary. And uh, Mary, she had been keeping a, a diary about her affair with the president. And Angleton was questioned, hey, would you have that diary? And he said, no, I burned it, burned the diary. And he never burned the diary. No CIA agent burns this kind of information. But within a year, guys, no murderer was ever found. Everyone stopped asking questions, just like the, the people today. I brought this up to my dad because he was, you know, he was very, he's born 49. So this is, he was, you know, right around his, his time. He never even heard this story. 
that how JFK's lover was murdered. Why? Because the Washington Post never wrote any articles about it, I imagine. And in Benjamin Bradley in 1953, he, he used to work for the US, U.S. Embassy. He would leave that to work at Newsweek. We already talked about his international banking grandfather. It was a year before Alan Dulles, Dulles authorized James Angleton to set up a counterintelligence staff around the world. Angleton, his main responsibility was the Israel desk, which was giving 80% of the information of its intel on the KGB. Um, and Bradley's wife was friends with Angleton's wife. See, all these people are all interconnected. It, the reporters, their wives, they're banging each other. They're, they're having cocktail parties. The press has never been honest. The press has never been honest. And uh, attending Harvard with Bradley was a guy named Richard Ober, who would become Angleton's primary CIA deputy and work for him in Europe for three decades. So again, D Brad Benjamin Bradley, top dude at uh, Newsweek, CIA, um, Washington Post, the guy who broke Watergate. He's linked to at least three top CIA agents before they were CIA agents. It's a big club and we are not in it. We Wes, dude, I miss you, man. I haven't seen you in so long. I hope you're doing well, buddy. I hope you're doing well. I, there's a concept in the intelligence community called haystacking where you hide an assassination by committing mass murder. Absolutely, dude. That's uh, I, I, mean, I feel like that's what, um, what a program to kill is like all about, right? That, you know, this, the, the, the serial killers were just uh, covers to knock out rituals and certain people. So, but I never, I've never heard that phrase before. See, you always add such good things. Skeptic always, you always help make the show. Um, okay. So yeah. So Ober, so Bradley would, den would deny knowing Ober, even though they were in the same, they went to Harvard together. They were in the same, like this weird lunch club that had 30 people in it for 40, four years. They were in this club together. And so when Ober was the top man in the CIA during the Nixon administration and the source of all the Watergate information, Bradley would say, oh, no, I never heard of him. I never heard of him. Bradley, Ben, isn't this you and Ober in the yearbook photo of the club? Oh, no, I, I never saw that guy. Never knew him. Your club only had 30 people in it for four years. You never you never saw him. No, no, absolutely. Of course not. No. And um, during the war, Bradley would be handling classified cables and coded messages in World War II prior to him working for the, the press. So again, Phil, Bradley, all these people, they were intel officers who became journalists. And he would he used his falling in military industrial line and Bradley would help promote the fight against communism for his entire career. And we're almost done here, but this is like the best part of the whole show. Richard Helms, CIA director. Is he connected to the Washington Post empire? Well, let's find out. He, he helped write portions of the National Security Act in 47, which obviously led to the creation of the CIA. He promoted research into codes and um, secret language writing and stuff. His, his agents would be the ones that would penetrate the government of the Soviet Union and other leftist political parties throughout the world. Uh, the the third another guy Frank Wisner the the father of Operation Mockingbird whose main guy was Cord Meyer, Cord Meyer's wife Mary Meyer was JFK's lover who would be murdered. He went to uh, Frank Wisner, Yale graduate, Skull and Bones member, married Bradley's sister, 
Bradley's sister, Mary, what I, we just said, the woman who would be murdered, who, who, um, oh wait, maybe Frank. I seen that they're all like so closely linked. So I can't, I think Cord Frank or Cord was, it was Mary was the wife, but I'm pretty sure it was Cord, but, uh, Cord was a top ranked, highly valued CIA agent, super weird guy in the forties, Cord Meyer. He, again, he's top dude in counterintelligence. Uh, he were, he joined this one world movement. What does that sound like? One world movement. It's about a one world government. Shockingly, that was essentially was like this group that they wanted the world to be governed by one form of government, basically the, just the leftist organizations, unions, et cetera, et cetera. And then 1952, after being a part of this radical leftist group, he joins a CIA agent. And what do you, when you know, he knows all the names and players of all the organizations that he just defected from Cord, Why'd you leave those groups? What changed? And he said, Oh, I left because I saw that that one world government that was forming was going to be communism. I didn't notice it in the beginning. It just hit me at the end. Or more likely, Cord, you probably joined these groups in the 1940s because you were already working for military intelligence and they wanted you to act as an undercover spy. Probably just going to go with that guess. And many would realize that this group, the world federalism, was actually created by the military, by the intelligence community as a, as a honeypot to capture left-wing radicals and communists in America. Amazing. Wow. We, could you imagine that? And again, Cord's wife, Mary, who would fall away from Cord because he was doing his super secret at, over overseas activities, attached herself to Bradley's wife, um, who was her, his, Mary's sister in DC, then JFK met, they would be banging, blah, 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 get murdered. Anyway. And Bradley would get the big wig job using competition, fear. He Bradley would, would eventually leave Newsweek, join the post as Alfred friendly's job. Um, the guy who, you know, said don't to, to write, to don't write things that the politicians say are off the record instead lie for them and help them out. And this is how you do journalism. But he, um, he, he, so he got his job eventually. He made sure the Post would never unionize. He was a showman. And because the, the newspaper guild never did not permit firings, he would make people feel as uncomfortable, outdated as possible, hiring younger people, better salaries for better assignments, trying to push out the old time people, or maybe any journalism journalists with integrity. He wanted to push them out. I mean, again, Bradley was connected to four CIA agents. He's not going to allow somebody who's honest working for his group. Um, you know, just, uh, just, Oh, uh, thanks for still watching Wes. Yeah. I missed you, dude. We, we still got to do a show on all your MK ultra knowledge, bro. You're a beast in that. So we got to talk. We got to, we got to talk again. Um, and Catherine, she was loyal to her politicians, LBJ Kennedy to an insane degree yelling she would yell at reporters even bradley forever writing anything that went against her boys kissinger lbj kennedy when mccarthy stood against lbj and became anti-war you know again Catherine, her student groups her radical feminist groups were anti-war when when mccarthy said he was anti-war Catherine went to work doing all she could to destroy him in the press 
and she was successful. And Bradley would only move up journalists who worked within the Intel community system. And one of those guys was Bob Woodward, who Bob Woodward's name just popped up recently again because he wrote this that book about Donald Trump's quid pro quo or whatever the hell, whatever lie he wrote there. So again, these people, they're just still relevant. And they said they created the, the corrupt brainwashing propaganda news system that we have today. Um, Bob Woodward, what did he do before becoming a big time journalist? Oh, nothing much. Communications officer in the Navy went to Yale. Imagine that post-war worked at the Pentagon. Oh, shocker. And where did it, what do you do in the Pentagon? Oh, not much. Just was in an old super secret unit handling classified info at the White House who surveilled the anti-war movement. <laughs> Carl Bernstein, another famous Washington Post reporter, hard-hitting journalist. He would he would rise. Bradley didn't like him, wanted to fire him all the time. What is, what is Carl Bernstein's backstory? Well, nothing much, just the son of two Jewish communists and that embodied that um, were tried, um, you know, put on trial during the McCarthy, the, the you know, the hunting of communists. So let's do you think he's going to be a pretty uh, an open, honest, have integrity when he writes about politicians that are very anti-communist people that went after his parents? What do you, is he going to be going to be open and honest for Nixon who worked hand in hand with McCarthy coming out, going after his parents? Probably not. Right. Probably not. And after Nixon took office, Catherine felt she, originally she liked still, she kind of liked Nixon. She felt she helped him get into power and he wasn't playing ball with her. He hated the press. He's like, I, I said, he's was, a, he reminds me a lot of Trump in that regard. And in 71, when the Pentagon papers dropped and it was, by the New York Times were the ones who pushed the Pentagon Papers out, and it came out that clearly the Washington Post and all these media entities were lying and deceiving the public, not telling them what was really going on in Vietnam. That after you know promoting the war and all this stuff were the good guys. Now they their lies came to the forefront, um, and Nixon, Nixon, they the, Nixon wanted to use this to show how corrupt the Democratic and their media elite cronies were. You, you wanted to use, say, see, this is what the media is. They aren't honest. They lied to you for the last 10 years about what was going on in Vietnam. They didn't tell you that we were bombing other third world countries next to we, how we're dropping deadly gas, causing people to lose uh, get cancer and all this stuff like that, uh, as any president would do. He was trying to even those competitors, the Democrat Party. Well, after he he did that, um, he he then Nixon wanted to learn. Even he, with the Pentagon Papers came out, he said there he was wanted to dig for more corruption with the the Democrats and the workings with the Washington Post. So he you know used his CIA plumbers in 1972, and Catherine Graham was one of those people that Nixon wanted more information on because her paper is behind all this corruption, all these lies, all this trickery. And by this time, that this was the final. Then the media flipped on Nixon. Catherine, this would be she would be the nail in his coffin. She took him down. And as Watergate Watergate happened, it got promoted by Washington Post, dropped by the Washington. You know, they were the story that broke the news story. Um, and she, Catherine, knew she was on the 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 chopping block. It was either him, her, or Nixon who was going to win. And she got her attack dogs to do what needed to be done. She had the CIA 
telling Woodward and Bernstein what to do, how to implicate Nixon and all their of the CIA connections that we just mentioned, you know, Angleton, Weisner, um, whoever, all the guys we just mentioned that were that are relatives married to banging uh, these journalists went to college with and clubs with um, they they she utilized all of their resources to bring down Nixon. And the, why was the CIA doing this? Because the CIA didn't want the didn't know that they were this corrupt organization that Nixon was going to bring to the forefront. And also Nixon was very concerned with Israeli counterintelligence as he saw that there was Israeli like spies working in the in the United States government, stealing information, giving it to Israel. And Nixon was trying to figure out what the hell was going on here. Why are they why are we allowing this? And if you don't know, you don't take on the Mossad. You don't take on um, Israeli intelligence. They'll they've killed many. They've you know, they've sent so many spies. Jonathan Pollard, a spy that was just caught two years ago. It was a working for Israeli government. He was working in the American um, American government. He was a spy. Do you think he was arrested? No, he got sent back to Israel. He's fine. He's valued as a hero there. So Nixon knew this kind of stuff was going on. So you, he's 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 battling too many people. He's battling the press, the CIA, Israel. It's going to be a tough win. You're not going to win that battle nine times out of ten. And um, Hoover would even leak a story how Nixon was doing unconstitutional unconstitutional things, trying to monitor radicals' activity in the United States. So essentially being blackmailed, Nixon tried to pull back his his uh, Huston plan that he that was that was the to, to monitor the radicals uh, becoming and just get Nixon just was becoming more and more suspicious of the the intelligence community as he should obviously, um, and Nixon was now the enemy of all the intel organizations Hoover the FBI the CIA the Washington Post all the press and even though he was anti communist. Even though he still promoted the Vietnam War, all things that supposed the, the liberal media elite were promoting, he was asking too many questions and making too many connections with these all these people, how they're all in the same clubs. And uh, Catherine would eventually meet with actor Robert Redford after uh, Bob Woodward wrote the book All the President's Men, which was all about Watergate. They purchased for $425,000. They made a movie out of it. Watergate would solidify the Washington Post as the in the the woman's journalistic paper, the courage, real journalism, and it officially solidified the Washington Post as the the paper that it is today. This honest, quote unquote, honest, um, you know, journalistic integrity, progressive newspaper, and, and that was it. That was the that and that again. That story only came about because Nixon found out the connections between the CIA, the Washington Post, the FBI, the bankers, the war, all this stuff um, in the, the, their, their communistic leanings, their spies, all this stuff. And that was why Watergate became the huge thing that it was. It was because it was their way, just like they did with Trump, with every story they do. And I'm not defending President you know, Donald Trump, but just like how any, they try to do this with so many stories they tell on every news channel. Like that one with that lady who said she he raped her or whatever, the real ugly one who he said, I would oh, I would never rape someone like that or whatever. Um, and all the news covers it because they're, they're, it's just the same thing they did to Nixon, right? They all ganged up on him. 
because he was asking too many questions. Nixon was re resigned in 1974 and um, Catherine would have a, a nice dinner with Gerald Ford as her normal mode, just like she wrote air force one with LBJ. She would continue being buddies with Henry Kissinger, who again, remain untainted from the Watergate scandal being, being Nixon's right-hand man, but he was not involved at all. No, no, no. He was still a lovely man. Sure. He had the quote, if you control the world, the food supply, you can control the people. He's a good guy. He, he, he loves, he loves the working class. The Carter administration did not really realize how powerful Catherine could be. They didn't really work with her. So what did she focus on instead then? Oh, international issues. One in particular, how good it would be for America to open up China. Now, whose goal was that? Oh, Henry Kissinger and Rockefeller. And why did they do that? To destroy the American economy, destroy the American middle class, to remove all manufacturing from the United States, put it to China. And as Skeptic just brought up, Henry Kissinger, by the way, is still alive at 101, I believe, just like how Edward Bernays lived to be over 100. Um, these people know where they're going when they die, so they'll do anything they can to stay alive. Um, so yeah, so I just, I didn't know that. I found that fascinating that the Washington Post pushed, promoted, encouraged opening up China, which you can definitely make the case destroyed America. It, it destroyed everything. It, it destroyed towns, cities, careers, livelihoods, families. Um, it, it broke America. It turned America from the most amazing world superpower the world had ever seen to a country that people have email jobs and work as waiters and waitresses. That's all we have left because of opening up China and the Washington post was a huge part of that. Catherine would uh, prom promote her Watergate story. And she would say this running this story cost us millions, millions, but we had to do it. We had to. It was, it was our, it was our duty as journalists and, um, didn't cost her too much though, because her net worth was 1.1 billion in 1991. And she would pump up her paper for ending the Vietnam war. Sure. It was the, the paper that promoted the Vietnam war longer than any other newspaper in the country, but they ended the war. They ended the war. Thank you. Thank God for the Washington post. And the post would also be huge in destroying a, a guy by the name of Gary Webb's career in the Reagan presidency after he found out that the CIA was selling, was allowing the Rick Ross and the Contras to sell crack, sell cocaine, ship cocaine into America to fund their guerrilla war against their communist, probably not even a communist, probably a nationalistic leader. And again, that's the progressive Washington post. So that is this story that is the Washington Post, the paper that was created by the CIA and international banking and the spy work. And yeah, that's it. That's our press. That's the freedom of the press that we have in America. It's banking. It's been controlled by bankers, been controlled by spies since at least at least 1930s, maybe 1920s, maybe even earlier than that. Um and I, it just now, if finally, after all these years, they had ultimate control, ultimate say, finally, the public is waking up and seeing this is lies. They lie. The, the trust in the press has never been lower. The, we, we, and I love it. We incessantly mock the reporters on Twitter. Continue to do it. 
They are the biggest losers. They are this, these same people. Maybe they're not as, they're not the same as, um, you know, Ben Bradley and having the top connections to top CIA people, but to think that they don't still have CIA intel, intelligent asset connections. No, they do. They're being told what to write, how to write it, or just to keep their job, you need to write articles that promote degeneracy, that promote, um, you know, oh, we should teach kids what masturbation is at four years old. That If not, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're an evil homophobe if you don't agree with that. So yeah, that's the show. I, I thought it was a great book. I, if you want to read it, Catherine Graham in the Washington Post Empire. And it just uh, it helps you understand so much. It, it just so many things that are connected. Like I, I, I said during the show a million times how they in World War Two, they they left from fighting for, you know, uh, human rights and, and benefits and safe social safety nets to we must end fascism. We need to bomb the shit out of this foreign country that has no uh, has nothing to do with us to all right, now we're back. Let's go back to feminism. Let's go back to making sure we get every woman working in a factory so we can indoctrinate their child. And then the Vietnam War. And then we're back into war, baby. We need to bomb, bomb, bomb to sit stop communism. That ends. We actually didn't want that. No, no, no. We were against the war. And, you know, then you have the papers of pushing uh, all the things they do now. And then you have Ukraine. And now we're bomb, bomb, bomb Ukraine. And once this ends, they'll they'll go back to pushing the propaganda. So, yes, and that's a very important Gary Webb found with two gunshot wounds to the head, as anyone does who commit suicide. You I mean, skeptic, I don't know why he's even bringing this up. It's obvious when you kill yourself, you always are able to to put two in your head. I mean, one that doesn't mean why you want to be sure it's done. Right. But now, thanks, Brian. Thanks for saying Thanks for saying that. So I hope you guys learned about more about the Washington Post, why we should hate the Washington Post. Justin, thank you for so much for the nice compliments, dude. Oh, my God. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'll follow you back, dude, if you're, if you're on there. So nice of you. I'll, I'll share with my wife. She's just finished cleaning. She's, we're, we're, she's, she's listening to me right now. So, all right, guys. I'm Jack Allen. Like I said, I'll post our baby registry if you want to if you want to get anything for, um, I can't, I, I can't, I, I wrote it on Twitter, what our babe, but I haven't told my dad and he listens to the show. So I can't ruin the, the surprise for him, but if you want to, um, support anyway, I got, you know, Venmo, all that stuff. But if you can leave a review, that means just as much. And, uh, thanks to all the people in the chat, skeptic, Brian, as always, you guys help make the show so fun. So I'll, uh, I'm working on my next book or next book I'm doing is, I think um, the politics of heroin in the CIA, that's the book I'm reading. And maybe I'll do, I'll throw in that drug cartel. Drug cartels don't exist. They kind of relate. So uh, I started working on those and I got to, I'm getting back to reading more. I've been watching and playing Fortnite with my wife. So addicting guys. Fortnite's so much fun. Uh, skeptic. Thank you. Yes, dude, we will. I'm, I'm going to create uh, They're there. Whoever this baby is, they are going to be the next monarch of America. They're going to be unstoppable unstoppable mixed baby. And if I make, if I tell them create, you know, propagandize them to share ideals, they'll be unstoppable. They'll be working for the daily wire by the time they're 12. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening. I'm Jack Allen. Follow me at Kojak podcast. And, uh, we'll talk soon, everybody. God bless. Have a good night. Peace.